Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. Church, I hope you had a fantastic 4th of July with your family and your friends celebrating our country and just having some time, some downtime to relax and have a great time. We are so glad that you are here this Sunday and we have an incredible speaker getting ready to come up. But before I introduce him, I want to tell you a little bit about next week. Next week, we are starting our new series, The Altar. And we're going to be talking about what do you do with broken things in your life, things that didn't seem that you thought were going to be whole, that are now broken. What do you do with those things? So if you know somebody going through a difficult time or you're just dealing with some things that are still broken, um, that you just have had a hard time getting past, don't miss next week and bring those people with you. But this week, my good friend Sean Rainey is getting ready to come speak to you. Sean is a church planner in Colorado. He has known me since college, so please don't ask him for any stories. But he is a fantastic speaker, but more importantly, he is a fantastic person. So would you give it up for my boy, Sean Rainey? Oh, man. Man, I'm so pumped to be here today. Uh, Justin and Casey are out today, and I'm just so honored that he chose me to be able to get to speak to you guys today. Hey, this week, as you're kind of on your own doing things with your family, uh, be praying for your pastor, man. Justin and Casey, that guy would just refresh them, and that guy would just allow them some time just to, to be together and hang out. They've had a great week. And so uh, if you love your pastors, man, give them a round of applause. Justin and Casey are absolutely amazing. As he mentioned, man, I went to Bible college with them as well as like most of the staff. I think he hired everybody that uh, he went to school with, and uh, which is awesome. But uh, man, we go way back, and I'm just so glad to be able to be here today. Uh, as he mentioned that uh, I am a church planter, and I just want to start off by just saying thank you to you guys. Uh, man, your church supports us. Not only are you planting churches in like Kenya, but you didn't even know about it, but you've got like something to do with the church in Colorado Springs. We just started like five months ago, and God is doing crazy, awesome, amazing things. So thank you guys, man, for what you're doing, for missions and giving, and uh, man, we are a recipient of your generosity. Uh, today, normally, uh, Pastor Justin is in like sermon series. You guys just came out of one called Redneck, which was thinking awesome. I got to watch a lot of those online. Uh, man, if you haven't seen those yet, or you maybe you missed the last few weeks being on vacation, go back online and watch some of those incredible, incredible stuff. Today is a standalone message. He told me, man, hey, you just come in and share whatever is on your heart. And man, I appreciate that. He trusts me quite a bit. So uh, maybe I don't uh, hopefully let him down. But <laughs> anyway, so I want to talk today about a very familiar story. We're going to be talking about the Good Samaritan. And whether you've been in church uh, for a long time, maybe you went to kids church, you heard about the story, maybe like a long time ago on like the flannel graph or something. And you know, uh, maybe you've never been to church. Maybe this is like your first first Sunday to come to church, more than likely you might have heard of this story, the Good Samaritan. But today, man, I want to kind of flip this thing upside down, and I want to focus on one of the phrases found in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or on your phone, kind of, kind of click towards there. Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be today. But I want to focus in on one of the phrases 
that uh, what the lawyer says. And he asks a question, who is my neighbor? And so if you want to title the message today, that's what we're going to be talking about. Who is my neighbor? So what happens, again, this familiar passage, you've been to churches and maybe you've sat in under messages that you've heard this story. And what typically happens is we go through the whole drill and this guy gets beat up, went down a bad road and the religious people walk by. And then the good Samaritan, the least likely person, the one that's been kind of racially outcast or socially outcast, helps a fellow person who is injured and wounded. And we get all good feeling about ourselves in church and we walk out and we find the first homeless person we see, we give them a dollar and we feel like we fulfilled the call of God on our life. Like as if Jesus was still writing parables, he would have written about your life because you gave a dollar to a homeless person. But that's not the whole point of this story. The point of this story is realizing what a neighbor is supposed to be. What if Jesus really meant to love our actual neighbors? A few years ago, I read this book uh, called The Art of Neighboring. It's an amazing book. If you haven't read it, check it out. Uh, incredible, incredible stuff. But it really kind of reoriented my life and, and really kind of recalibrated what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christ follower. What am I supposed to be doing with the people around me that God has entrusted me to live next to? Now, I know some of you are saying, man, but Sean, you don't know my neighbors, man. They're horrible. They're always borrowing stuff or they're nosy or they got rough kids or whatever. Well, we just moved into a new neighborhood. Uh, as Justin mentioned, we're church planners in Colorado and we were renting a house for a while. We finally were able to buy a home and we moved into our new neighborhood. And man, wouldn't you know it, uh, the people right behind us have three dogs. And, and one of them is a chihuahua. Why is it always a chihuahua that's yappy, man? Like, maybe your chihuahua lover is in here. I don't know, but I'm not a chihuahua. I got a big old chocolate lab, like 90 pounds. He's 11 years old. He doesn't fetch anymore. He's like, whatever, dude, I've done that. You know, he's just old and lazy. But this yappy chihuahua, I mean, if you just even look outside the window, he's going to yap at you. Well, the other day, we're working out in the yard, and uh, they, they were like, hey, great news. We got another dog. And I was like, great news, awesome, man. So God's going to kind of work on me with this message in loving those yappy dog neighbors. And so God never said, or Jesus never said it was going to be easy to love our neighbors. But he did command us to do that. And so today I want to really look at this story and uh, I want to look at it from the point of view of what if Jesus really meant for us to love our actual neighbors. So Luke chapter 10, uh, starting verse 25, let's get into this. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So this kind of happens a lot to Jesus. He's like walking around and, and people are trying to trap him. They're, they're, they're trying to, uh, this guy was like an expert, maybe he was a lawyer or an expert in the law. There were like 613 laws for the Jewish people to, to really abide by and to live by. Not only did you have to memorize them, but you have to live by these laws. And Jesus came to really fulfill this law. He came to be the, the one law of, of loving God and loving others. We're going to see about that here in just a little bit. But, but to fulfill, not, not, not to abolish these laws, but to fulfill all of these 613 rules in which these people were living by. And we know that Jesus came for a relationship with us. Not so we could be these rule followers. God gives us guidelines or these guardrails, if you will, to kind of live our life by. But he wants to live it in relationship. Everywhere in scripture we see in the New Testament, it's always about him wanting to advance that relationship with you 
and with others. So he asks an honest question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, Jesus says, so what's written in the law? And, and how do you read it? Jesus is, Jesus is slick, man. Like he's just throwing it back at him. Like, well, what do you think it is? He's kind of like a counselor. You know, well, how do you feel about that? What do you think your problem is? Like I'm paying you 200 bucks an hour. Tell me what my problem is. But, but this guy, he's really seeking the truth and Jesus puts it on him. And so he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so what he's quoting here is this, this saying that they would say almost every day, this prayer that they would pray. He, he knew the right answer, but he wasn't doing it. He wasn't living it out on a daily basis. And he says to do all these things. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. I love what Jesus says. He, he's saying, yeah, you can answer it correct. You can know the right answer, but unless you're living this, unless you're doing this, then there's no point in it, right? Like you're not being changed. Your life is not oriented around this relationship with God. So many times we live our lives like we just have this slice of God in our life, but it's not all encompassing. And he wants it to be all encompassing. It's not just knowing the right answer, because many of us can quote scriptures today. Many of us know exactly what we're supposed to be doing, but are we doing it? See, today I'm going to ask you to put your big boy draws on today, and, and we're going we're to talk about some things that might be a little bit convicting. We're talking about some things that if we genuinely look at our lives and ask ourselves, God, how do we measure up to this good neighbor or this good Samaritan? And I believe that when we walk out of here, we'll walk out in a direction with a challenge that God wants us to. Although he says, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But verse 29, this guy wants to justify himself. So he's trying to, trying to get Jesus again. And he says, well, who is my neighbor. And then we see something really cool, man. Jesus starts going into this story. Now, now, anytime, man, that you see in scripture, when someone asks Jesus a question and he starts just like looking in the distance and randomly telling a story, he's about to get you right here, man. Like, like it's about to get good. And, and this guy's about to get took by Jesus. And I'm thinking about trying to establish this with my kids. My kids ask weird, horrible, crazy questions. I'm just going to tell them random stories and uh, just see kind of where that takes me, kind of following Jesus's lead here. But uh, Jesus unpacks this amazing story. This, this guy wants the answer, but Jesus gives him a concept. And he begins to talk about this man who took this dark road or this rough road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, and he gets beat up, man. He gets mugged and robbed. And the Bible says that, like, they beat him. They left him for dead. They stripped him naked, and they left him for dead. And, and this priest walks by, this religious ruler, leader, and the Bible says he went on the other side of the road to avoid this man. The next guy comes by, he's a Levite, and same thing, kind of a religious guy, and all the side of the road. And then here comes this Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were hated in this time, right? Like, like the Jews didn't like them. Man, they just had these racial tensions and social tensions. Remember, Jesus went to the Samaritan woman at the well, and that was a huge deal that Jesus would do that. Well, this Samaritan is the guy that Jesus picks in his story to make the hero. And it just infuriates this little Jewish ruler, this, this lawyer that, that is hearing this story. And he says, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus begins to tell him. And Jesus asks him the question in verse 36. It says, which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Now listen to what he says. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Now, it sounds like he got the right answer, but listen to that. He can't even bring himself to even speak the word Samaritan. He didn't say the Samaritan. Jesus labeled him as the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan. And this guy hates these people so much that he's like, well, it was the one that showed mercy. If we read into that, we can see some of the, the racial hatred that this guy even says. But, but yet this is the man that Jesus is choosing to show him who the neighbor is. And Jesus says, you're correct. Go 
and do likewise. So this is the whole point of our, our, our story today, of our message today, is that how can we go and do like the Samaritan? What lessons can we learn from this good neighbor of the, uh, of, of the good Samaritan? I just want to kind of walk through some of these with you today. Number one, if you take a note, you can write this down. Empathy leads to action. Empathy leads to action. The good Samaritan cared enough to make a difference. These other guys, if we look at our text, they walk on the other side of the road. They literally tried to avoid the hurt, wounded man completely. Whether they were busy or whether they were on their own uh, you know, journey or whatever it was, they chose to not help this man. Empathy leads to action. Now, there's a difference between uh, sympathy and empathy. I remember learning this in, in school, and it was really this simple definition that, you know, sympathy means that I feel sorry for someone, but empathy means I feel sorry with them. I hurt when they hurt. I feel what they're feeling. I am going to weep when they weep. And empathy is what Jesus is wanting to show us here today. Do you know your neighbors? Do you know what they're facing? Do you have conversations with them and understand maybe even someone sitting next to you? You guys would probably go to the same service. You guys probably sit in the same areas. Typically, we're creatures of habit. And so do you know the people who are sitting around you or have we kept to these silos and, and isolated? When we have empathy, when we hear someone's story, or when we see someone in need, we want to do something about it. I love this quote. It says, I'm challenged by Jesus' teaching about the Good Samaritan because he asks us to be people who not only know the right answers, but live them out as well. Man, it's one thing to come into church and know what we're supposed to do, but we got to walk out of these walls and live it. You, you've probably heard Pastor Justin speak about, you know, be a, be, be a bringer, man. Bring people to church or, or investing in people's lives and inviting them along on the journey with you. But all of that happens when we care enough to make a difference. When we are willing to, to, to get out of our busy life and, 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 and get into the stories of the people who are around us. There's so many people ready to tell you, ready to, to share their story with you. All we've got to do is be a good neighbor, a good listener. The Bible says it like this, to not only be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. The bottom line is action. We can't just walk through this life and, and do nothing, as we'll see here in just a moment. But God demands Compassion, empathy demands an action in the follower of Christ. The second thing is not only that empathy that leads to action, but this other lesson that we learn is that lost and hurting people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. The Good Samaritan knew that doing nothing was not an option for him. This church, you guys, where you're at in your neighborhood, doing nothing is not an, it's not an option for a follower of Christ. God's love has been so great to us that it demands an action. That when we look at and, and see the needs in our neighborhood and the needs around our community, again, what if Jesus really meant to love our actual neighbors? Because here's our tendency. We, we say things like, oh man, we're, we're, we're praying for a global hunger, or we're praying for the poor of the world, or we're, we're praying for the lost. And all those are great prayers, right? But they tend to lead to zero action because we're praying for those. And, and really deep down, we're saying, God, send someone to do the work for me, but God wants you to do the work. Now, maybe you can't go to Kenya this next summer on a, on a missions trip and go see the church plant that you did. Maybe you can't come to Colorado and, and come visit our church, but maybe you can reach those four to five to eight neighbors that are right around your neighborhood who are crying out for you to help them. Doing nothing is not an option for a follower of Christ. 
Do you even know the names of the neighbors around you? As I mentioned, we're moving in to our new neighborhood. We've kind of been there about a month now, and I've been trying to write down their names after I have a conversation with them. And, and uh, man, I'll write down their names and kind of just a little bit about them so that I can begin to pray for them, so that I can begin to, to kind of establish a relationship with them. The other day, one of the neighbors who's moving in next door to us, he just got his house too, and his name's Ron. And Ron remembered my name. I, I, I was shocked, man. Like, I really try to pride myself to, to know people's names and remember them. But, man, he remembered my name and my kids and my wife. And, man, it was just really cool to just be known on my streets. How many of us have lived in our neighborhoods, maybe one, two, ten years, and we've not reached out to our neighbors? I want the Good Samaritan story to really be this catalyst today that can challenge us to be a bringer, to be an inviter, to be someone who is willing to have the conversation. Pope Francis said an amazing quote. He said, like the Good Samaritan, may we not be ashamed of touching the wounds of those who suffer, but also try to heal those wounds with acts of love. It's one thing to cross the street and get away from this guy. I don't want any of that to get on me. Maybe he's infected. Maybe it's bad. Or maybe it's a trap. But, but man, to bend down and to touch his wounds, to bend down and to put him on his own donkey and to pay his own money, the Samaritan was, was put out a little bit. And so many of us just don't want to be put out by our neighbors. We just don't want to be inconvenienced. We live our lives so self-absorbed sometimes. And I'm guilty, man. I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching to myself today. We've got to open our eyes and ask God to show us the needs of the people around us. Why? Because lost people matter to God. Hurting people matter to God. And if they matter to God, man, they should matter to us. What is your neighbor going through right now that God has positioned you to be the help for them? right where they are. I believe that, that you live where you live for a reason. You live in the neighborhood that, that you're in and, and, and the God's put people around you, whether they're good neighbors or yappy dog neighbors or dirty, crazy kid neighbors or you know whatever they are, man, they're there because God loves you enough and he trusts you enough to be able to reach those people around you. What if Jesus meant to love our actual neighbors. Number three, this one's taken straight from, from you guys, man. You've heard Justin say this over and over. Found people, find people. That's what we do, right? Found people, find people. It's on the wall in the lobby. Pastor Just talks about it all the time, man. Justin's like nonstop, all this over and over. You're like, all right, man, we get it. But do we get it? Because when's the last time that that's actually happened for you? Let me ask you this question, maybe put it like this. Who is here today because of you? And man, that's a deep question to ask. Who is on the journey of their Christian faith because of you? Maybe it was just because you were a piece of the puzzle. Maybe you were the good neighbor. Maybe you were the one that watered or planted, or maybe you harvested that, that person, it seems like. But who is here today or who is on their journey of faith because of you found people, find people. I believe the Good Samaritan <clears throat> had probably had mercy shown to him in his life at some point, and he was ready to pay it forward. See, the Good Samaritan man went through some, some racial tensions, I believe, in his time, and he's probably had someone that vouched for him, someone that stood up for him, and because what they had done for him, he wanted to go and do for others. And how much more for us should it be that what God has done for us, we should go and do for others? Man, I have been shown way too much mercy. I don't deserve it, right? But that's what mercy is. We don't deserve that from God. I've been shown way too much mercy in my life to do nothing. I've been shown way too much grace in my life to not go and share the good news with Jesus in my community and in my neighbors. The problem is, I think, sometimes we don't know what to say. We, we don't know the words to 
to bring up. Oh, man, what if they ask me a, a biblical question? Or what if they ask me a, a hot topic question? I'm not sure how to respond. Here's the reality, man. Most people, there, there's a saying, and it's an insurance company, and you all know it. It says, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, right? And, and just being there sometimes is what your neighbor needs. Just being present in the moment for them. You don't have to have all the answers. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to say, you know what? I have no clue what I'm talking about. I don't know the answer. I'm not going to try to fake it. I'm not going to try to make it up, but I will help you find the right answer. I'll never forget one of my friends, one of my best friends in life growing up. His daughter had cancer and she passed away at six years old. Man, it was probably the toughest thing to see my best friend go through. I didn't have the words to speak to him. I, I didn't have the, the right words of encouragement, but I remember standing with him in front of this little pink casket, literally holding him up with no words, just tears of empathy. And he knew that he could count on me to just be there. Sometimes our silence is even greater than us making up some crazy words to share. Your neighbors, whatever they're facing, maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe their, their teenage kid is just, is, is just giving them fits, or maybe financially, man, they're in shambles, and, and they just need you to be a friend. They just need you to be Jesus with skin on, right? They just need you to be this love and grace and mercy and, and to just be there. I love this quote by McLaren. He says, the world would be a changed place if every Christian attended to the sorrows and needs that are plain right before them. What if God has placed each one of you throughout this entire community because he knows that he can trust you to reach those four to five to six people all around you? What this community would look like if we actually loved the neighbors around us? What this church would look like? how much growth could take place, how many things could happen, how many lives can be changed, how many marriages could be saved or, or our teenagers reached or kids discipled because all we did was reach those ones that God placed right around us. Found people, find people. It's not just a great little poster in the lobby. It's not just something that, that this staff says over and over. It's something that they live out on a daily basis, and it's something that as Christ followers, we should live out on a daily basis. And this Good Samaritan teaches us this. The next thing, just kind of a few more, man, and then <clears throat> we'll wrap this up here today. Another lesson from the Good Samaritan uh, you've heard it said that good fences make good neighbors. And man, I believe that's a load of crap. You know, maybe I can't say crap in church, but it is Justin's church, so I ought to be able to. So we should be okay. I'll, I'll just say that I disagree with it. So uh, good fences do not make good neighbors. It's time to tear down those walls and be willing to have a conversation. Now, I get it, man. There's some that, that you know what? They want their privacy, and that's good. I'm going to respect that. You know, I'm not going to be that, that neighbor, keep knocking, like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Man, what I'm talking about is just being a real person that when someone has a need in your neighborhood, that you're approachable, man, that, that, that you're living a life that's so healthy and attractive to the world, uh, that, that there's something different about you and, and authentic, that when people have a need or trouble, they know they can come to you and ask for prayer. Has that happened to you, man? Are we living our lives? Are we tearing down these fences? See, the Good Samaritan didn't let racial tension or differences get in his way to show love to the hurting he didn't bend down and say, hey, what's your political view? Like, are you for the border, uh, kids? Or like, how? No, he didn't ask any of that. He didn't bend down and say, you know, what's your stance on ma marriage or anything? No, he saw the hurting and he loved them. And he had empathy and he cared enough to bend down and to touch those wounds, like Pope Francis said, and to get down and dirty with them and say, hey, I'm going to help you. The Bible says he poured oil and wine. He bound up those wounds. He put them on a donkey and he carried them. It cost something to care. 
It costs something to be a real Christ follower and tear down those racial barriers, tear down those social differences and be willing to have a tough conversation. Be willing to have an awkward conversation. I mean, I, I've, I've lived in a couple of different neighborhoods and, and I, I told you again, this book kind of really helped orient my life towards this. And, and the last house we lived in was in Denver, Colorado. We, we planted a church in Denver for a couple of years and now we're in the Springs, about an hour and a half away. But in Denver, we lived there for about seven years, actually a little town called Littleton. But uh, we lived there for about seven years. And, and man, the amazing thing that God did on that street in those neighbors. I, I, I like to make nicknames for people. And so like I kind of nicknamed all my neighbors. We had this one couple, they had the same name, uh, like a man's name that could be a woman's name. And so they were like the crazy Terry's. And, and so it, it was just fun. And then we had this guy F-bomb Bob because dude, F-bomb Bob dropped the F-bomb all the time. Like even around my five-year-old kid, he's like, all right. And I'm like, hey, F-bomb Bob, cool off with it. You got earmuffs, man. You know? And so uh, he was just a whole crazy character. Had this other guy every Saturday would just get crazy drunk man. And, and he's like the lovable drunks. He'd come over and just hug me like, man, I love you, Sean. Like, this is crazy. And, and then we had this other guy and he was the atheist on the street. And uh, man, it took him a little while to kind of warm up to me. Uh, but man, he just like came over and he helped me remodel my house. Our kitchen flooded uh, from some disaster. And uh, he came and helped me. And he starts talking. He brings it up. And he's like, tell me about this God thing that you do. You're a pastor. So like, do you think you were brainwashed as a kid? Or like, how did that go for you? And, and I'm like, that's a great way to start a conversation about Jesus, you know? And, and man, we just got into this relationship, this friendship with him and his family. And man, like just months went by and, and slowly he began to trust me. And we'd have conversations about God. And, and, and I'll never forget we were um, about to go do something and, and he came over and he's like, hey man, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't really believe in God, but could you pray for me about something? Like if God does exist, like I just want to cover all my bases, you know, and, and uh, you're the pastor. And so, you know, so yeah, I prayed for him and, and man, even today we're, we're still good friends and, and he's on this journey, man. And, and he says, like, I'm an atheist in transition. Like, I'll give you that, you know? And he's, it's just amazing to see what God can do when we just tear down these walls, man. And it would have been easy for me to go get pretty offended. Like, no one brainwashed, man. Like, get out of my house, you know? But no, just opened up a conversation. How many opportunities do we miss because our neighbor doesn't look like us, act like us, smell like us, and we just put up a fence and we put up a wall and we're saying, but God, we're praying for the lost. God, I'm giving the missions. God, I gave to the Kenya deal. You know, I love the lost, but God says, why don't you love your neighbor? Why don't you love the one that I've put you right next to? Good fences do not make good neighbors. We've become so busy, I believe, that we've neglected the very thing that God's commanded us to do, and that's just love others. Dr. Martin Luther King wrote an amazing sermon. He talked about the Good Samaritan and, and he goes into this, this quote that I really believe is the heart behind what we have here. He says, I admire the Good Samaritan, but I don't wanna be one. I don't wanna spend my life picking up hurt people on side of the road after they've been beaten up and robbed. And I'm like, all right, Dr. King, you gotta kinda keep on going with that. It's kinda, kinda against what we're talking about. But then he says this, he kinda flips it on us and he says, I want to change the Jericho Road, and I want to make it a safer place for everyone to travel. Dr. King said, it's not just good enough to help this one, but what if I could have helped him before he even got injured? What if I can make this entire community a safe place? What if I can make this entire road that you live on a place where before that neighbor gets a divorce, they come talk to you and your wife and they get counseling from you or ask prayer from you or before that kid is addicted to drugs and all that, that he's able to talk to one of your kids or, or maybe that you bring him into this youth group and that his life is radically changed. What if we think about this as a, preemptive strike to say, God, 
How can we make this a safer place so that the man never gets wounded? I love Dr. King's heart. I want to change the road and make it a safe place for all to travel. How can we do that? By tearing down our fences, by having conversations, by engaging in our neighbors and living out this truth that God might actually want us to love our physical neighbors. Sure, give to missions, go on missions trips, do all of those things, love the world and, and, and help the poor, all those things. But if, if, if uh, this whole focus is just global and we're not doing it right here, then I think we're missing the heart of what this church is about and of what this story in this scripture is about. The last thing and kind of wrap up here is this, walk through your neighborhood slowly. Walk through your neighborhood slowly. It just might open up a door. As I mentioned, our neighborhood that we're planted a church in, it, there, there's no real work of, of a church happening in that neighborhood. And that's kind of what we feel God's called us to a lot of times. Go where there is no church and, and, and build one. And we were able to actually take over a building. Uh, the church had closed down and it just folded up, man. In two years, it sat vacant and we went in, <clears throat> we remodeled it and we we're having services. Now it's kind of in a poorer area of Colorado Springs. There's, there's three laundromats that are in walking distance of our church. And we go every Thursday and we uh, do free laundry for people. We bring quarters and we bring like Tide Pods and we say, don't eat the Tide Pod in case, you know, and, and we, we give it to them. And uh, man, we've got these regular customers that come now because we're, we're developing this neighborhood relationship. And, and we're, we, we saw that need because we literally were just walking the community and we're like, there's all these coin laundromats and there's so many people in them. This must be a real need for our people. And so, man, it's a blessing. This one lady, she was crying the other day. She said, I cashed in all my pennies so I could come do two loads of clothes. We don't even we can't even grasp that, right? Like we have our big high energy washing machine and it's just, you just throw it in. And, but she couldn't even do that. And we were able to meet a real physical need. Well, on the way back, I had dropped off my, my car or something. Coming back, I was walking through the church neighborhood and, and I saw this lady laying on the ground like by her car. And she was a pretty large woman. And, and, and I saw two guys that were there, looked like they might've been with her, but they just kind of drove off. They kind of walked off. And I didn't know, man, if something happened to her, did they beat her up or something? She looked like she was in trouble. And in my mind, I thought, oh, she's probably just changing a tire or working on a car. I don't know. Like I, but I was just walking. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, something's wrong. And I went over there and she had fallen and twisted her ankle. She was stuck. And these guys had just left her. They, they said, oh, you're too big. We can't pick you up. And they left her there. And she said, I was praying, God, please send someone. And then I heard your voice. And, and man, I thought, God, what if that is the cry of our neighborhood? God, please send someone. And then God sends you. So we called 911 and, and, and got her some help. The fireman came. It was an amazing deal. And she was just in tears. She said, you know, man, I thought I had help. And then they left. And then I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die right here. And, and, and fortunately, man, the neighborhood kind of came together. What if we walked through our neighborhoods, walked down our street, maybe in the evenings when everybody's kind of home from work and, and, and we just kind of observed. If we looked at our neighbors as Jesus would look at them, what would he do? Would he engage in conversation? Would he, would he help someone? I love this quote by, by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He says this, the person who is in love with their vision of community will actually destroy community. So we think community is just like, oh, we come to church and we hang out, we have small group, and that's a part of it, but it's your maybe version of community. Let's look at what God wants. He says, but the person who loves the people around them will create community wherever they go. Man, I love Bonhoeffer. If you haven't read any of his stuff, go read it. But it's incredibly super challenging in discipleship and, and, and putting our needs aside for the needs of others. Wherever they go, if we love the people around us, you'll create community wherever you end up. 
I love that this, one of the commentaries I was reading for this message, he talked about the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? So their mentality was this self-absorbed deal. Maybe it's a trap. Maybe there's gonna be other robbers come or maybe if I help him, I'm gonna get a disease. There's no Purell or any of that there. And, and so, you know, if I help him, what will happen to me? But Jesus wants us and the good Samaritan changes that question. And his question was, if I don't stop and help him, what will happen to him? He'll die. And that good Samaritan saved his life because he didn't care. What would happen to his own self? He said, doing nothing is not an option for me. I've been given too many chances. I've been given too much blessing. I must do something. And what if that was our mentality this week? Just our neighbors. God strategically has placed you all over Tulsa and Jenks and everywhere in this area who is around me and what are their needs if we don't have a conversation we'll never know care enough to slow down to have empathy to to walk slowly in the neighborhood and going after those and helping those who need help and and here's here's the idea is that i don't love my neighbor to convert them I love my neighbor because I have been converted. I love my neighbor with the right motive. Yeah, man, hey, I, there is no uh, bones about it, man. I tell people, hey, I'm a pastor. I want the whole world to be saved. I want everybody coming to my church. That's like the great big ultimate goal of, of our lives is that we can just bankrupt hell, man, and fill heaven to capacity, right? But. It's not an ulterior motive. I don't, I don't do it. I don't love them, have a conversation just so I can build my kingdom. I love them because I have been converted because God has shown me love and mercy and grace that I don't deserve and I owe it to them. I owe it to God to pour myself out for my neighbors, to be available, to be there for them. The lawyer in this story made some mistakes and I don't want us to make the same mistakes. His first mistake was he really believed that he loved God. Man, I want us to check our hearts today and go, God, do I really love you? And how am I loving you? How am I doing that? Is it by just going to church on Sunday or going through the motions? Or am I really living this and fleshing this out on a daily basis? That mistake one was believing that he genuinely loved God. His second mistake was believing that he could love God and not love others. And that doesn't go that way, man. We can't love God. When Jesus was given an opportunity to give the greatest commandment, he couldn't give one. He gave two. He said, love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others, right? Love God, love others. If you don't hear anything today, if that's all we can walk out of here with is love God and love others, then we're headed in the right direction. And his last mistake was simply believing that defining neighbor so narrowly. Defining neighbor as someone who looks like me, acts like me, smells like me, and that Levite walked by, the priest walked by, and, and, and none of them wanted to help him because who knows what that would have happened to them. But the Good Samaritan said, what will happen to him? Today, guys, I want us to, to really grasp this. Listen to what 1 John 4, 20 says. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. That's huge. It doesn't make it any more simpler than this. If you want to kind of, what are my, what, what are your takeaways to to go into practice today real simply is realize that God has placed my neighbors around me for a reason. Man, you need to know that. God knew that atheist Jay, F-bomb Bob, and the 
drunk guy over there, the crazy Terry's. All, they all, God was able to use my family to touch their lives. And that's not to boast about my life, man. That's what we should all be living. We all should be doing. Number two, takeaway is this, is feeling compassion is good, but get involved and make a difference. Sympathy, I feel for you, man. Hope it all works out. Empathy says, get on my donkey and I'm gonna carry you. I'll walk so that you can ride. It's feeling with them and hurting with them. And then number three, Jesus says it, go and do likewise. Go do what? Go show mercy, go show love, go show grace, go build a relationship and care enough to speak truth into people's lives. See, I don't know about you, man, but there's some scriptures that, that I don't know what to do with other than obey them, right? Jesus says in Proverbs, whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Another one in Proverbs says, if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. And then 1 John says it this way, if anyone has material possessions and sees his neighbor in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Put your big boy draws on and say, God, is that me? God, have I shut out my neighbors? Have I crowded them out? Or God, am I living like the good Samaritan, ready to make a difference? So here's a challenge today. Let's pretend that heaven is almost full. And God says today that you can only bring one of your neighbors to heaven with you. Who would it be? Think about those four to five to eight, however crowded your neighborhood is. And if I can only bring one of those. Jesus, who, who do you want me to reach? And so then the challenge this week is go and have a conversation with them. Maybe invite them to the service next Sunday. Justin's talking about brokenness and altars and how we are broken and can be fixed. Man, what a great sermon series to bring friends to. Who is that one? Commit to praying for them this week. Commit to believing that God's gonna create an open door. Maybe you've got a neighbor that, the yappy dog neighbor, and you're like, God, I need wisdom here. God, I need grace. Help me. Maybe that's the one. Make it a point. Make it a point this week. Why? Because it's exactly what Jesus would do. If he was living in your house, that's what he would do. John 13, 34 says, as I have loved you, go and love the world. Let's pray today. God, challenge. This challenge today, Lord God, convicts me, Lord. I'm, I'm moving into a new neighborhood here, God. I'm just beginning to meet my own neighbors, Lord. And God, I want to make sure, God, that my motives are pure. God, that, that I'm, I'm not trying to convert them, Lord God. Sure, I want them to go to heaven. Sure, I want them to experience your love and grace. Sure, I want them to come to church. But, but Lord God, I'm reaching them. I'm, I'm, I'm pouring myself out because of what you've done for me. God, this church is amazing. Foundations Church is, is incredible. And God, there is not one person in this community that I wouldn't want to bring with me. I want everybody to experience. It's kind of like a good restaurant, Lord. It's like a good coffee shop. God, I want everybody to feel what I feel. I want everybody to experience what I experience. Why wouldn't I invite my neighbors to church? But God, most of us, some of us, Maybe our neighbors don't even know we even go to church, God. Help us to tear down fences. Help us to get empathy. Help us to see our neighbors like you see them, Lord God. God, I pray today, Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see, a heart that is pure, and hands and feet to respond, Lord God, to what you want us to do, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, in just a moment, we're gonna be dismissed, and, 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 but I want an opportunity for you guys to know that we wanna pray for you. If there's anything that you need prayer for, maybe, maybe you need Jesus in, in your life. You're like, man, I'm, 
I'm still on the journey. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure where I'm at on my faith walk. Maybe I'm like your neighbor. I'm kind of an atheist in transition. Man, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I've loved these prayer partners. We'd love to be able to pray with you. We have a prayer team coming up in just a moment. There's communion station over here. You can make yourself available to that. We're going to worship one last song and one more moment before you dismiss. But I want you to to put flesh to this message today. Don't just go out and give a buck to a homeless guy and think that you're living the dream for Jesus. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be a way of life. Let's let it change us. Stand with me today, if you would. Prayer team, if you'd come. If you need prayer today for whatever reason, come on down front. We'd love to pray with you. And and we love you guys. Have a great week. Go with God. Jesus, we love you. Come on, sing it. Oh, how we love you. You are the one. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.